0: Gather round, one and all, and listen to tales of excitement and adventure. Tales of daring heroes, savage monsters, and bards who just couldn't keep it in their pants. Tales of friendship, nobility, drunken foolishness, and unforgettable fun. These are tales of role-playing games, fair listeners, and this is Rollin' Bones. My name is Ryan Howard, and I shall be your God. Good evening, Boneheads, and welcome back to Rollin' Bones with Ryan Howard, your RPG treasure trove. I am your host and king of the Boneheads, Ryan Howard, and joining us this evening, we've got the co-hosts of the Dungeon Jedi Masters podcast, Dungeon Jedi Masters. Uh, One of them is one of my co-stars over in Deadlands the Hellgate trilogy, so uh, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, uh, let me reintroduce to you guys... Todd Moonbounce, and Tegan. Guys, welcome to Rolling Bones.
1: Hello, hello, welcome. Thanks for having Glad us, man. Glad to be here.
0: Oh, no problem at all. Uh, for anyone who is joining us from the other stream that was just a complete technological train wreck, uh, we are getting back on track here. Uh, so we're not going to beat around the bush or anything like that. We're just going to kind of get straight into this. Got these intro questions I ask everyone. Uh for the interest of time i'm going to cut it down a little bit though so uh guys let's begin at the beginning how did you get into rpgs
1: yeah so uh for me it was uh it was pretty random i think it was uh i think stranger things was was kind of the the kicker for me um a little bit interested in that and i just started kind of looking things up and uh I, First one I came across was uh, old Star Wars D6 uh, West End's games version of that. Uh, there's like a the Star Wars uh, role-playing game updated and expanded whatever it's like a fan I think expanded of that version. But uh, went to my my brothers said hey we should check this out and play and never got around to that but uh, just kind of got sucked into the hobby and you know, my first experience was a traditional 5e game and then looked around for something in person uh, locally and actually found a game that Tegan was running that happened to be Star Wars 5e and uh, pretty much the rest is history from there
2: Definitely and I got into it about five about 10 years ago in college uh, one of my buddies was running a 3-5 game and uh, I decided to give it a shot I was right actually I think right, yeah, right when Skyrim came out so he knew how I played Skyrim and decided to kind of bring me into tabletop too. Uh, so I played that. I played a little Pathfinder Five or One E. Uh, then took about a probably about a five six year break uh, in between college and graduation and all that, uh, and then picked back up uh, a couple years ago uh, with Five uh, E and then eventually Star Wars Five E.
0: Awesome, awesome, and then. Uh... Just kind of the, the favorite game systems that you guys have played in over over the years, w- what would those be for you? W- what are some of the favorite systems you played?
1: For me, uh, you know, obviously, Star Wars 5E is going to be up there. Uh, my newest one, and it's just kind of because it's, it's a, you know, the new car smell, flavor of the month, has been Savage Worlds. Uh, for me, I've been... Um, in that, obviously, Ryan, you and I play together in Deadlands. Uh, so we have that system there. And then I run a Deadlands campaign as well. And uh, it's just its a lot of fun. It's very adaptable to any setting. So you can just dive in and, you know, if you want to do pirates, space, you know, ancient war, etc. et cetera, uh, it, its It has the great structure to do so. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that's probably my main one. And then otherwise, uh, I've been looking at a lot of OSRs, old school. Uh, style games as well lately um and again those are just kind of flavors of the month they're the latest thing but uh you know 5e is always it's going to be there uh uh, the good old standby i guess
0: awesome
2: for sure definitely star wars 5e is up there for me it's one of my favorite ways so it's a because a lot of people play 5e it's kind of the good and bad of the rpg world and getting people to play. Uh, Star Wars it's the easiest way to get them to be familiar with it and up and running and it's a fun system in and of itself too um, outside of that though uh, one of my favorite adaptions to traditional 5e is Storm Chasers uh, it's actually developed by one of the people on the Star Wars 5e development team. a lot of fun, it adds some crunch, it adds some more Realistic options and adds like a ton of cool things you can do as a martial character uh, as well, which I thought sometimes 5e can lack a little bit. So if you've never seen it, check it out. It's just a really fun way to add a little bit more realism and complexity into a 5e game. Uh, and then outside of that, I've just been loving Pathfinder 2e lately. It's uh, funny, I've not DM'd it yet myself, but that's next on my list to DM. I just played a, a one-shot with it recently uh, and it's kind of reignited my, my love for that system.
0: Awesome awesome and then uh we tend to get a lot of you know great memories out of this hobby it's you know something that for those of us who put a lot of time into it obviously we've got some pretty good memories wrapped up with playing RPG. so if you guys had to pick a fondest rpg memory what would that be
1: hmm tegan if you got something uh, i gotta think on it <laughs> Uh, so this would happen recently in my,
2: uh, my traditional D and D game. Uh, it was just, uh, kind of a cool setup. Uh, basically it's a homebrew world that I've made. Uh, and the players had run afoul of a vampire. Uh, and basically the whole premise is that they're fighting against demon- a demonic invasion. Uh, initially they were sent to kill the vampire, but they eventually needed his help uh he invited them to dinner and they had like a fun like a real rp session with them kind of coming to terms with what they would be willing to do to secure the vampire's help which kind of wound up crossing some of the uh, alignment and some of the moral lines for some of the characters it was just kind of fun seeing them negotiate that out uh and kind of have dinner with somebody they completely hated but needed in the moment
1: Mm -hmm. nice um yeah, as I was thinking about that, a lot of them started coming up. And I think for me, um, you know, a couple quick things. Back when I was I was first starting to DM, I just, you know, I, I played a little bit and I dove in and said, all right, I'm going to start running games. And I, in the middle of a, a session, uh, and, and I went right to streaming all of those as well, but uh, I was running and it was an individual thing for each player. There was like each player was doing their own little little aspect here mm-hmm. and in the middle of it uh it was all it was first like homebrew if you will i wasn't running off a module for this and um one of the players mid session messaged me and said dude you are amazing this is so cool and that was just a really nice moment uh like that and then kind of tagging on that homebrew thing as well because um, i have mostly ran you know a lot of modules to get me through a lot of my stories but uh the first time i ever completely went you know just off the rail I hadn't didn't really have a ton plan the players kind of did something and I adapted to that was one of the most fun uh times I had because it was really just feeding off what the players do what the players did and uh you know it was like a heist going into a security facility it was just it was a lot of fun to do that Uh, and so that was yeah definitely uh one of the best moments there
0: and I absolutely cannot cut this question. I have to know every single person who comes on the show, so uh, this can be as philosophical or sophomoric as you guys want to make it, uh, but if you could put anything on a T-shirt, what would it be?
2: Uh,
1: Tegan's wearing it right now.
2: <laughs> I would say I got the Dungeon Jedi master shirt going. Uh, outside of that, that's a good question. Um, I've never thought about that before. I thought I'll let you go first on that.
1: <laughs> so this one, and, and I, I know you've asked this before, Ryan, when I was watching some other uh, things, and, um, I guess I didn't uh, do well enough to prepare, but, uh, the, the funny aspect of that is that I've done, uh, I've, I've hobby screen printed, uh, before I've really loved that hobby. And then in my, you know, nine to five, I actually, uh, you know, that's a big aspect of my business, uh, promotional products and custom apparel. So, um, you know, maybe just dancing around the uh, bush here with the question, but, uh, you know, it's I, I put stuff on t shirts all the time. Hmm. Um, I'll say, yeah, I, I don't know because I've done so much of that. So it's a good one. Yeah. T- Todd Moonbounce is go. That'll be my t shirt. That'd be a good one. Yeah. Stick
2: with the Star Wars theme. I love Star Destroyer, so I'd love a Star Destroyer t shirt. That's what I'm going to go with
0: awesome yeah there there have been some t-shirt worthy moments on hellgate so far mostly uh they call me bob yes i think is the one that a lot of people would would go crazy for so with that out of the way you know we're, we're here to talk about some star wars 5e uh so if you guys can give us a little bit of background on where did this game system come from and uh, I know, Todd, you ran into it through Tegan, but Tegan, how did you come across uh, Star Wars 5e for the first time?
2: Definitely. So I was just on, a, I was on Reddit. Uh, I started replaying 5e probably about six months uh, before that. So my friends getting me back into the hobby. Uh, and I was like, I really want to play a Star Wars game, but uh, my friends don't didn't really want to learn anything new at that point. Uh, so I wound up doing a one-shot, uh, kind of searching just through Reddit to see kind of what other systems there would be or something easy, kind of pick out for people that are familiar with 5e and came across uh, one of Galli's post on Reddit and decided to give it a shot and initially ran a one-shot with my friends, but we could only meet once a month usually to play, so decided to uh, put out a little ad. I've forgotten what uh, game site Need I out. did it on, but what. One- Oh, meet up! Yeah, meet up. Yeah, uh, and uh, we met at a game store in our area, and just kind of a uh, all were kind of new people to me. And uh, luckily, we got a good crew for it.
1: Yeah, it was a great time. As as uh, you know, had said it. That was my my very first in person game with you know TTRPGs. So I I had no idea what to expect. Um, I just happened to take a chance on hey, Star Wars RPG sounds cool. I knew a little bit of Five V, so the familiarity was there, and then. Um, i think just in preparation like i i was really into discord as well then i was like Discord's so cool like it's there's all these things where can i you know and i happened to find out and there was and it was um i think even back then it was pretty pretty young uh compared to uh, definitely compared to what it is today at least and um you know just dove in and at first was you know one of those new people to ask questions about things and um then with my background, with design uh, background, I kind of got in with uh, with helping with some of the uh, some of the print material and, and or at least the you know the rule books and stuff that they put out and kind of worked in and then um, yeah I mean that was that uh, Tegan eventually came in uh, he's amazing with uh, you know enemy and monster creation and uh, kind of came in uh, you know to to join the the mod team if you will dev team of of Star Wars Five e so uh, yeah.
0: Gotcha. Now, obviously, to do this amount of work on a a book like this, you, you have to be tremendous Star Wars fans. So I, I just have to know, where are kind of your main touchstones of Star Wars uh, fandom? Like, is it the purely the movies? Is it some of the TV shows, the video games? Where do you guys come at your Star Wars fandom from primarily?
2: Definitely. Um for me it's legends. I I wish I was upstairs in my office. I've got like my Star Wars bookcase. Uh, I love the old books. Like, I ran like I think I've read like ninety percent of the old books. Uh there's like hundreds of them. Like there's just so much so many cool stories there and that's kinda of how I came to my DMing and how my Star Wars five E just kinda of pulling cool random star wars universe facts and kind of making a story around them uh, if you guys haven't checked out anybody watched the stream the legends books there's some really cool ones some new good canon ones too as well but legends is definitely where my heart's in that's definitely where uh, i love the movies but if i had to pick between the two i'd pick a lot of those old books ahead of the movies
1: and uh, a quick plug on that topic our next uh, episode of the djm podcast will be all about the books of star wars so keep an eye out for that uh I, however, am... Movies will probably be it for me. Um, You know, it just... I feel like I I saw the prequels in theaters, but TNT, those reruns, you know, constantly, they're always on. They were on this weekend, and I sat through and watched them. Just the original trilogy, uh, just, you know, there's other memories of, like, you know, being at family's house, and it's on in the background because it's a holiday or whatever, and, um, you know, that stuff. And then just... Just kind of taking in the various media that comes in the video games battlefront of course is a classic and and uh, having three brothers uh you know all being very interested in that stuff um you know and then so yeah it's it's not uh it's not as maybe uh fine tuned as as tegan some at least my knowledge of of star wars but um you're definitely coming into star wars five e is is uh Rooted out of, you know, just the core, the original trilogy for sure.
0: I'm so glad you mentioned Battlefront because for for my particular generation of Star Wars fans who kind of grew up playing uh, Battlefront and Battlefront 2 on the PlayStation, um, that was a big one for me. Yeah, I, I still yeah, the, the original games.
1: ones. We're not talking oh, yeah. the, the latest one. Yeah. Yep, mm,
0: absolutely. <laughs> so
1: I think it. I think it. We might have had it on. Was it on GameCube? Because I yep. think that's what we had it on. So, yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah, and, I, and even
1: before that, the uh, old um, Pod Racer game, and um, yeah, not to date myself or anything. That
2: tour and uh for playstation one jedi power battles mm-hmm. if you guys ever played that one's old like a uh, phantom menace game uh that came out with it was a ridiculously horrible but a ton of fun uh you gotta play through the scenes of the phantom menace with different characters nice. mm-hmm.
0: yeah and then i i've made no small secret when i've talked about star wars on here that i love the jedi academy games though that are the jedi knight games including jedi academy Kyle Katarn is is one of my absolute favorite extended universe characters. So, sure. So, as we've mentioned, you know, we've mentioned a couple of the Star Wars games before. Uh, this is not the first time that D and D and Star Wars have collided, and even shared mechanics, going all the way back to uh, Wizards of the Coast when they did their. Uh, basically, you know, hack of 3e for Star Wars and then uh, like the hack of 3.5 that was Saga Edition, one of the most beloved uh, Star Wars games out there. there There is a history of mixing the the rules of D and D into Star Wars. Kotor is another good example of this. Uh, so how do you guys feel that 5e fits with the world of Star Wars? And w- what is it about Five E that kind of you know uniquely suits it to hold this uh, particular franchise and and you know help players and GMS kind of stay true to it?
1: For me, I'd just my short uh, side of that question is that not Five ne- E isn't necessarily you know the perfect or the right system for Star Wars. For me, it's a little more that. It's a system that is so familiar with players that it gets them to jump into a Star Wars, you know, role-playing game. Uh, not to say that you know it doesn't fit in certain aspects, mm-hmm. but um, th- that's how I would look at it. Uh, you know, I think that it's Five E. Obviously, is, is probably you know the most popular tabletop out there, um, and and so if you want, if if you're kind of how. You know tegan and i got into it we we wanted to play star wars and 5e was the familiar one and so that got into it um you know, tegan your side of the question i know you're so much more into the mechanics and stuff
2: definitely and, and as you mentioned uh, 5e is like the biggest game out there that's what everybody plays everybody knows uh the nice thing especially with uh, the star wars 5e system uh, because 5e kind of gives them some people familiarity enough to go into Star Wars 5e. Uh, but like so many changes are in the system, it's almost like its own system. It's definitely like a, uh, let's say it's almost completely, not completely different than 5e, but there's enough, it has the same bare bones, the same structure that's familiar to people that play 5e. Uh, but they've customized and added so many cool features in, uh, that it does feel more Star Warsy and just really. Uh, can kind of capture the universe while still having that familiar background people are willing to kind of take up the branch and learn some new things as they're going through with it
1: mm-hmm. yeah it's not it's not simply just you know um weapons become star wars weapons or whatever uh as as tiga mentioned there's a lot of of uh beyond reskinning uh with even within the mechanics um the, the Spell casting, which is uh, power casting in Star Wars Five E, force or tech powers. Uh, so the two there. So so yeah, there's definitely uh, within Star Wars Five E a lot of things that have been updated um, so that it does better fit the the setting.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Because uh, I mean, like it's one thing to to take a look at Five E, and you can you can see how a Jedi and a Paladin would be very similar. Just kind of at a very kind of you know surface level understanding of the two archetypes, but then you get into the depths of what is a Jedi, the divisions amongst the Jedi of you know there's the guardians, the consulars, the uh, the sentinels, and you know having to then kind of suss those out in their own classes. I you can see where this becomes very granular, and like Tegan says, needs to in many ways, evolve into its own system. Uh, so one thing I'll say in, in kind of my my brief exposure to this, it looks like uh, the system has done a good job of taking the, uh, the bones of 5e and arranging them in such a way to make a, a good uh, Star Wars game. What's been kind of your experience in uh you know seeing the differences between how 5e plays and how this system plays
2: definitely so the the biggest one and this is kind of the the easiest one most dms will kind of know immediately after running star wars 5e uh your players have a lot more options which as a player is a lot of fun there's a lot of cool things you can do with different abilities items um just so many different things that you can bring to the table as a player, but as a DM, you'll find that with so many options and so many more enhanced abilities compared to regular 5e, they're, they're going to be stronger, which will make uh, a little extra challenge for DMing. Uh, that'd be like my biggest, my biggest overall kind of like uh, thing to say for the system. There's just so much, it's like so many different kind of customization options and flexibility and just things that you can do between every class having their own style of invocations where they can kind of go through a level two and kind of pick some different customization options to all the different items, the fighting styles, the fighting masteries. Uh, there's just so much you can do to really make your PC feel like its own or kind of build a world of your own with it. So it's just uh, just really flexibility would be the big core difference in my view.
1: Yeah, I think when, you know, we've been we've been in it so long – that uh, we've seen it evolve ourselves a lot, and uh, you know, kind of seen some of those significant changes. Uh, where it was, a, it was a lot closer to you know, I'd say traditional five E, and then it started just because I think out of necess- necessity to make sure it fit the setting better. Uh, you know, some of these these big changes came through, and it was just uh, you know, design choices by the by Galley and and the rest of the team to to just give those options to make it feel more like a Star Wars game, because, um, you know, that's definitely was one of the big challenges uh, to allow it to do so. And and then kind of going a step further of that is, and I think we have to do that with any, with any tabletop game, but you know, a lightsaber should cut down a person in one swing. Well, that's not realistic in a game. You have to ha- you have to have balance to that so that, you know the the lightsaber. The Jedi isn't always just you know destroying everyone, while the other you know the scoundrel is you know having to empty his uh, blaster out to to do anything. So um, you know, there's a lot of those little aspects that you have to pay attention to as well.
0: Absolutely. Now, one thing that I've talked a lot about in my uh, ex- exploration of RPGs that are not strictly fantasy, uh, I find that a lot of people get really tripped up in kind of deprogramming fantasy role playing from themselves when they head into other settings. Deadlands is a good example of this. A lot of times, people will try to approach it as D and D with six guns, and Star Wars. A lot of people will approach it as D and D with lightsabers as game masters. How do you set up the adventure so that people are forced to think about things through more of a Star Wars lens than a and d lens? Is that something you you think about, focus on? How have you guys kind of run into that, or or how do you deal with that uh, tendency amongst players?
2: I think Star Wars has a little bit of an advantage with this one, because... More people, I feel like, are familiar with the Star Wars universe than they are D and D universe. Mm-hmm. So they kind of are almost already coming, thinking about the movies, the the shows, and kind of how they want their PC to fit into that world. So I think it kind of gives you a, a freebie on that one. Uh, but definitely, it's kind of stuff that. Kind of play uh, The way I do is just playing into the Star Wars tropes. So you've got know, to have uh, different sides of the force, uh, the the big villain that they're going up against, like it's insurmountable odds, and just really kind of playing into the, the Star Wars western-y, kind of high fantasy feel, uh, and just kind of keep keeping that in there. But I think the nice part is the players are ready to, they know that, they know the, the theme, and are ready to buy into it already.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I... I went into Star Wars 5e, and I, I actually I started learning that that game more uh, than I knew 5e. So I was, I, instead of translating from 5e to Star Wars 5e, I was going the other way around when I would play traditional. Mm-hmm. Uh, but because I, I was so familiar to Star Wars that it, it just allowed me to dive into that, and then it became, those mechanics were Star Wars mechanics. Um, you know, and I think, as Tegan said, absolutely, people know Star Wars pretty well. I've had... Uh, I, I, ran, I used to run a ton of one-shots uh, up to four times a month. I peeled back just with so many other projects. But, uh, you know, most of those players were all very familiar with Star Wars. They were coming from within the Star Wars 5 E community. But I had one or two that, you know, maybe seen the movies and, you know, some light familiarity, but they still picked it up. They knew they knew the concepts, as Tegan mentioned, you know, those tropes and, and uh, you know, Space Western and you guys are doing this and this and, and you just instead of a, a dagger you know like a or a whatever the uh, 5e version is you know it's a lightsaber or something else and mm-hmm. you know i think it translates pretty well um you know to, just to switch from one to the other yeah
0: gotcha gotcha now one issue that comes up a lot in star wars role-playing in particular uh, and this comes a lot from the west end game star wars how do you how does 5e star wars address the jedi are too powerful or jedi uh take too much of the spotlight to where in in some systems people will say you need all jedi in your party or no jedi how do you feel that uh star wars 5e kind of comes at that problem of just kind of the the gap in power and gap in uh ability between jedi and non-jedi player characters
1: yeah i I think it does it does it very well i think it pulls the jedi into a class and so the classes are mostly all balanced with each other uh you know we have our rogue uh, version which is the operative and we have a a barbarian version which is a called the berserker and those are non Force casting classes, and then you have, you know, as you mentioned, Ryan, the the uh, Guardian, Consular, and um, Sentinel. Those are the force casting, so those would be your Jedi. Uh, so, yeah, those are making those classes is really going to be where your balance comes from between each other. Um, and then for the ones that do spell casting, power casting, and Star Wars 5e. You know, those are going to be just similar to a casting class in 5e. So that's where the balance comes from. And and then the other big part of that is just the suspension of belief, I guess, uh, as I mentioned earlier. You, you need to bring that in and say, okay, I'm not going to be just, you know, force pushing someone, you know, off the wall or whatever. So you have to, to kind of keep that stuff in mind when you do go into it as well. So, Tegan?
2: Yeah, yeah Bob. And one of the nice things they did, too, I think some of the other systems really didn't do this before. I know Saga didn't. I didn't play much Destiny, but I don't think they did as well. Uh, but they really made the tech casters their own. Like, they made people that use, like, the gadgets and things like that their own casting style. So they kind of play like a regular caster, and it really gives them some added power. So there's always, like, kind of the disparity between the casters and the marshals, which on the other side, too, Star Wars 5, E's done a great job of buffing up the marshals, too, so they can compete even at the higher levels. But they really gave the tech caster some good options just so they can they, they stand on par with the Jedi and give them some cool features too that can really, kind of, uh, depending on how your DM runs the campaign, because uh, the caster get their powers back in a short rest. Mm-hmm. So they can really go on Nova like warlocks uh, in different fights and can really kind of just so they can keep recharging and going and going where the Jedi may
0: need some rest to keep going. Oh yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's always interesting to see how that's addressed because it, it's funny that you mentioned Force and Destiny because I feel like the way that Fantasy Flight kind of took on this uh, took on this problem of all Jedi or no Jedi, really, the, they spun it off into its own book. I've got problems with in order to play a complete Star Wars game, you have to buy three $50 books. Uh, that's that's a lot, that's a lot to ask of uh, players and GMS, but
2: on top of the special dice too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, on
0: top of the special dice. But you know, I I really I I really feel like they dropped the ball on that one, kind of basically shunting them off into their own book and saying, uh, you know, you're not going to be, you have to go out of your way to incorporate this into your games because there's always going to be someone who wants to play a jedi that's that's what we all kind of fantasize about from star wars you do have your your players who want to be boba fett or han solo but for a lot of people the fun is embodying a jedi and being able to use those force powers and swing a lightsaber and If a Star Wars game is not able to produce that, then it's not doing Star Wars well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And in in a lot of the in my campaigns, my one shots, uh, I with the one shots especially, they're never a specific era. I, occasionally, I would do something specific, like we're Rebel era. So you know, for that, traditionally no Jedi. But even then, it's a free for all, and it's whatever you want. And so the party makeup is so wide. You get. Scoundrels, you get the Jedi, you get the you know whatever, and it's so much fun to see that. And the system does such a good job to allow that to happen. You know, the the Jedi is not running the show. You know, the other classes have their moments as well.
2: Definitely, and there's probably a little suspension of disbelief on that one because uh, with uh, the Force users not dominating, but it definitely it plays balance. Nobody really outshines another. Uh, you can definitely with the system since so there's so much flexibility, you can build a pretty op character if you go at it that way but that's more due to your design not the classes themselves so there's really nothing that's gonna just inherently offset the class balance
0: yeah absolutely now something that's often overlooked about star wars but is a key component ship combat how is ship combat handled in star wars 5e and do you feel like it ship combat is fleshed out enough to where it's mechanically fulfilling but not so fleshed out that it becomes tiresome
1: yeah so that's a uh, you know that's maybe a touchy subject uh, or was uh, it, they're going through the second iteration of the starship rules um, they, they did a massive rewrite uh, the The first version was, was decent it, it kind of did its job but it was it was too much of a departure for the, the ground game as we call it So they rewrote them to bring back the traditional six ability scores that you do have as a PC, so your Starship is based off that, and really just tried to bring that together. Um, But for the longest time, you know, I didn't really look at them because there was a lot to them. Um, But recently, Tegan and I, uh, we dove into it and kind of being forced to do so. And once you get in there, basically, there's... a ton of customization for your Starship. And I think there's a little bit of, of choice paralysis where you go into it. And one of the biggest things that we hear DMs say is, or even players, there's just too much stuff here. Like, this is overwhelming. I don't want to do this. And if, if you can take the time to get everything set up and ready to go, then once you're actually in the moment of space combat, it's actually pretty fun and uh, pretty enjoyable. So, and, and for what it is, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the new system, uh, I, I feel like it's,
2: it's way better than the old one. Uh, it's it's a lot of fun. It can almost be a game in and of itself, uh, which is a good and bad thing sometimes, because uh, there's a lot of complexity. There's a lot of cool things you can do with it. Uh, but unless you're going to be running space combat like pretty frequently, sometimes it can be hard for players to keep up with kind of what they can do, what the abilities are, what the rules are for space, which can be a challenge of itself sometimes. But uh, definitely there's... Uh, you can, uh, I'm, Excited to see somebody run like a just straight space campaign because with the new rules especially, it can easily be done. and be a fun way to do a... Kind of like if you did a Rogue Squadron dogfighter game, the, that could be a fun way to bring that to tabletop.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, there's a... There's a... Expansion of 5e called Spaceships and Star Worms that I love. Uh, it's a sci-fi version of 5e. It has very extensive starship rules as well, and it's it's a pretty good system. Um, personally, I've kind of come around to this line of thought that in role playing games, the focus is always more on narrative. It's always more like story wise. What is the purpose of this particular uh, you know sequence? Whether you're in a ship, whether you're, uh, you know, in a battle, uh, on the ground, something like that. And so one system that I found interesting uh, that, that was used for mass combat when I encountered it was Professor Dungeon Master's uh, basically advantage system for mass combat where each thing that gives you an advantage in the battle, so numbers, superior weapons, superior training, adds a dice to your roll... You roll against your opponents and you take the highest. Um, could you see something like that working as a mechanic for starship combat where advances that your particular ship has would add to something like that and then it comes down to a dice roll? Or, or do you guys prefer the more fleshed out, more mechanical uh, system where you, like you said, almost have your own game uh, just in the starship
2: System alone. I, I could say that. So, kind of all just, uh, off the cuff on that one, I, I would say that even though it's pretty fleshed out, I, I would still rather have kind of like, uh, the good bones of the system where you can kind of have some good options and choices on that side, just getting everybody familiar with it. But uh, it definitely sounds cool with kind of the, the dice roll, the kind of the different advantages and things like that stacking up. Uh, but I do like kind of having like duking it out and kind of seeing how everything plays. Uh, not real time, but in game time with that, just to uh, give that narrative some flesh.
1: The way, um, you know, kind of to that point for myself, I, for me, space encounters are transition points, uh, hmm. transition moments, you know, going from planet A to B, uh, maybe a, a pirate comes in to try and hijack you, and um, it, it should be, just as in the, most of the movies, it should be fast, quick, and, you know, whatnot. So the the existing rules were too clunky for me um for my specific purpose. And so I've tried to come up with a little more narrative stuff. But what I found is that you do kind of once you get in there, you do end up longing for a little bit more, as Tegan just mentioned, some of the choices and the options. Yep. And it's it's a tough balance of like, all right, when do you go too far? And when do you start getting into like all right Everyone's got to do their turn. Everyone's got to do all their things, um, as opposed to just being real quick and and fast with it. And basically, two ships, you know, either try and outfly or outshoot each other, and then you continue on with the adventures. So, um, I think that you know there could be some merit to to that other you know option. Uh, it it's really going to come down to you know just your preference at the table. Mm-hmm. But um, certainly, the the rules as they are, I think. Uh, you know, certainly provide a a good experience.
0: Yeah, that's that's another kind of pitfall of running really any sci-fi system because you run into this with the Star Trek RPGs as well, uh, or any any space-based sci-fi uh, RPG that you try to run. When it comes to the ship stuff, there's always just so much more there to where. You know, if someone wanted to run a campaign where everyone was part of Rogue Squadron and it was purely ship based, I could almost see that working better for them because then they have the mechanics uh, to to really focus in on that space battle. But for the most part, I, I think a lot of groups do tend to view space battles the way that that Todd mentioned them in in that they're transitional. It's it's like travel time in a fantasy RPG. Some people want to role play it and want to get really nitty gritty, but for the most part, people are just gonna, you know, here's your Indiana Jones map with the red line.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, so yeah, it's, you know, whatever, whatever your preferences at your table, how you want to run that, um, you know, and it is, I think with this rule set uh, as the DM, if you can get in there and get through it, And, you know, it it just depends, you know, work with your players if they're willing to step in and and help out with that process. uh, You know, you're either going to have, you're going to have a DM that does it all, players that help out, um, or you kind of skip over it. You know, I think this is going to be what you're going to see with it. But once you get past the setup, then I think it uh, is where, you know, then you can start having fun with it and and move on. You don't have to worry about You know, building your ship like that's, you know, there's so much options, which is great, but it can, uh, you know, cause some uh, some hesitation.
2: I can definitely drag it down a bit if there's too many decisions for the group.
0: Yeah. Now, moving away from the mechanics a little bit and talking, you know, about just kind of, the you know, the usability of this system. Uh, due to the the nature of this product in that it is a fan product it's a uh, a hack of 5e using another property all of these resources are available to people online for free is that is that correct yes, yes. that's right yep yep Great that's
1: website. w5e.com and it is all there
0: gotcha yeah and and this website really does have it all. It's very, it's very clean. It's very nicely organized. Uh, there's a couple different uh, books available: the PHB, Scum and Villainy, Starships of the Miles Galaxy, Manual, and yep. Wretched Hives. Um, now, how do uh, how would one, if if they felt so inclined, go about supporting the creators who are you know working hard? on doing this. Is is there some kind of uh, crowdfunding or uh, a Patreon type setup or something like that where people can contribute to the individuals who are putting their their time and effort into making this thing a reality?
1: Yeah. So really, I mean, one of the biggest things is is just kind of joining the community and, you know, contributing in that way. I mean, that's how Mm -hmm. Tegan and I got involved. We just picked up a project, uh, you know, a lot of times people come in and says, is this certain species available? And usually the response is it's not. So go ahead and make it, you know, Mm -hmm. kind of dive in, figure that out and then start contributing to the system as well. So I think that's one of the big, uh, one of the big ways to kind of help to support it. Yeah.
2: For sure, I'd say that's probably the biggest is being willing to jump in and create different content, because uh, with this being a Star Wars property, the, the the creator galleys not trying to earn a profit off of this or anything like that. So he's just trying to get more fun Star Wars stuff out there. So going in, creating some stuff, being a good member of the community is probably the best way you can contribute.
0: Awesome. Cool. So as far as like content out there of like actual play and stuff like that, who all is out there kind of, you know, doing that side of things besides just you guys?
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, I've seen, uh, I've seen quite a bit of it, um, you know, out there of, of just various people within the community. Um, you know, there are occasional streams that pop up, but try and keep an, keep an eye on those. Uh, you know, just being involved with the game, uh, you know, I can't think of any specific off the top of my head, but, uh, you know, it's out there. Definitely see him on Twitch and etc.
2: Definitely. I'm blanking on who's doing or kind of ones that are kind of all top of my mind, but I've definitely seen some out there. Every now and then they'll either post in the Discord or on the Reddit thread and it's kind of cool seeing all those creators kind of throw it into the system.
0: Now, this this is kind of more of a personal question from, from my end just because I'm obsessed with miniatures and terrain and stuff like that. But when it comes to running an in-person game in the system, what kind of resources are you guys using for miniatures, terrain, things like that? Is that something that makes its way into your uh, in-person games or
1: how yeah, you, have you found to work around that? This guy's got uh, quite a collection. <laughs> I
2: need to start using it again. I haven't used it in a year and a half now. But, uh, yeah, I spent probably too much money on that. But, uh, Julia, just buying different figures. Uh, If you guys are looking for DMs, like looking for a somewhat inexpensive way to get some great figures, uh, the, what is it called, the uh, Imperial Assault Games, I think, Imperial Assault? Uh, Southern Assault Games. uh, They give you a lot of great figures. Uh, If you're somebody that likes to paint, you can paint them. Uh, They can really do well with it. Um, I bought some specific ones off Minimark before too, so I can get some cool colored ones with different characters or designs that I really wanted to have. Uh, and that is, I really need to start using them, but I have a ton of them in a the box with just different designs, from different force users, droids, uh, tons of stormtroopers and just different things you can kind of adapt to your game and throw in there and kind of give that Star Wars feel for in person.
1: Yeah. I was, you know, as, as a player in that first game in person seems so long ago. Um, yeah, I, I grabbed a mini, I played a Duros, uh, no, I played a Chiss, sorry, we had a Duros, uh, as well, but, um, so I, yeah, I just grabbed, uh, like you said, I think it was eBay or something like that, found some, um, old minis that I think were for one of the older Star Wars games as well, but, uh, yeah, I mean, Tegan always had, he had the AT walkers, I mean, just everything, it was so cool, uh, for that, um, terrain wise, you know, there wasn't really much there just kind of tiles, you know, get your dry erase markers, things like that. That works fine. Uh, you know, I mean, outside of star Wars 5e in a couple of in-person games I've ran, that's generally what I do as well. You know, just your, your basic, uh, map with some dry erase, but, uh, sub works, but yeah, there's definitely, uh, you know, many resources out there at least.
0: For sure. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, miniatures would be the the big thing and obviously imperial assault has uh done a great job uh you know making sure that you know stormtroopers, rebel troops clones droids things like that are available uh i have noticed if you try to go to any of the major like make your own uh miniatures if you're not playing a jedi it's a little bit difficult to get something that has that authentic star wars feel so Mm -hmm. maybe that's an unexplored market that Hero Forge, Eldritch Foundry, uh, all those places can, can start kind of working on.
1: Uh, there's, of course, you know, not to go down that rabbit hole, but certain reasons why yes. uh, they're not doing that. But <laughs> yeah. on that topic, uh, there if you just kind of do some searching through those those uh, companies, there are mm. some amazing workarounds that people have done. Um Definitely. You know, I've, I've looked up some of the, the well-known species and surprised how well people have uh, made some things, including a nightmarish uh, B1 battle droid. So it, it's been done. It's pretty funny looking.
0: Yeah, and I mean, like Eldritch Foundry, I think they did it first. They've got some uh, not not really Mandalorian armor that, that you can put on your characters there. I think that came out right around the time the Mandalorian dropped. Uh so so for anyone who's uh you know playing that Boba Fett type uh or, or playing a Mando if your GM is that generous with you uh
1: Oh it's it's especially when Mandalorian came out that that was one of our top requests was how do I build a Mandalorian how do I build a Mandalorian so yeah <laughs> they
2: built the macro for it it was so common
1: <laughs> yeah it's just a quick command here you go so
0: yeah cuz that I mean that—that's one of those. You you talk about an overpowered uh, option for like playing a Mandalorian in one of these uh, RPGs is is something that a lot of people have pursued, and it's something that there has to be some kind of barrier to entry to get to. Like, you—you, I think in Star Wars lore. Uh, with the the idea of the foundlings and stuff like that you have to earn your place in one right. of the clans so having that be almost like a name level thing from early DD uh is an interesting concept that a lot of people played with but yeah that's mm-hmm. that's and one as
1: of the we talked challenges. about yeah as we talked about with the jedi as well you know really if you want to be a uh, a Mandalorian in star Wars 5 uh, i think like the scout class, which is essentially the, um, uh, you can help me out here ranger. What's yeah. ranger. Yeah. It's, it's like a ranger, but scout's going to be one of your initial classes that you'll go with for a Mandalorian and then just build out from there. So it just goes back to that. You know, the classes are balanced amongst each other. And mm-hmm. so you can do that, you know, and you're not, you know, just because the movie says you should be, you know, overpowerful you have to bring that in to allow for a, a fun game for everyone
0: yeah yeah and ultimately I mean ultimately an RPG is an adventure of going from you're barely able to survive to being overpowered so a, a lot Definitely. of people think about just wanting to skip that journey and and be right at that kind of you know top point but the one of the beautiful things about RPGs is that journey to where you're an unbeatable world breaker
2: right and you'll definitely get there with star wars 5 probably earlier than you expect too yeah
0: <laughs> absolutely it's it's only in these rpgs that people find out oh wait stormtroopers actually can shoot things you specifically <laughs>
1: <laughs> not with my dice luck as a gm <laughs> but yeah I have the complete
2: opposite. As a DM, I roll really well uh, as a player. I roll like shit. Like, crit as a DM most nights, but uh, as a player, like it'll be rare if I do.
0: I found weirdly that it varies on like virtual tabletops. When I'm playing in person, it's kind of like a crapshoot whether or not I'm going to roll well. Uh, but I found that on uh, roll twenty both as a player and a GM, I don't roll very well. But on Foundry, as you guys have probably seen on Hellgate, I don't know what it is. I don't know what what the difference is. It's probably just my perception of things. But it seems like I roll way better on Foundry than I do anywhere else. And I, I don't know why. It's probably just... Yeah, I've got
1: a player that, I mean, he... Because he's in both a Deadlands and a Star Wars Five E game with me, mm-hmm. and it's just specifically him. His dice rolls are insane. I mean, they're mm-hmm. just, you know, I gotta check check a system for for cheat codes or something. But mm-hmm. yeah,
2: you rolled off D and D Beyond last week, and he was
0: rolling pretty well.
1: Yeah. Yep.
0: Now I've not I've not used much of D and D Beyond as like a VTT or anything like that. Now, uh, that does actually bring up a, an interesting question: How difficult is it to kind of make D and D Beyond work with these homebrew rules? Is there a lot of like work and support? No, you just going you don't the- really. There's there's don't? no support. Yeah, there. yeah there's no D&D support Beyond.
1: there. That's not going to happen. It, we get even today. There was somebody asking about that. You know, how do I do D and D Beyond for this? And uh, there is a, a character creator built into the website, StarWars5e, SW5e.com. So um, it, it's, you know, a little similar, uh, you know, I wouldn't even say it's similar, but it, it basically does that process as you go in and you build your character step by step. Uh, and then from there, there's options to export that into the proper formats to Foundry and Roll20. So if you're going to continue on to, and I think there's also one just to go straight to PDF. So you can have your traditional paper uh, character sheet and it spits it out. So um, those systems are there. They're, they're great to use, um, you know, for that reasoning. And then, and then kind of touching on Foundry, um, just because uh, versus Roll20, because there is a dedicated uh, development team for that, but uh, they they've created a compendium for all the content, so you get into Foundry and it's literally just drag and drop. Your character, you know, is super easy to create. So um, Foundry's been super super friendly to the system as well, given that there's a dedicated team to just create content for it, character sheets, etc., to make sure the game functions very well in the system in that in the virtual tabletop.
0: Awesome. Yeah, because that's. I mean, I played a very lightly modded version of 5e to run Dark Sun, and my players who wanted to use D&D Beyond ran into so many issues with the kind of homebrew classes that we had or even just the mild changes to some of the classes that were out there. I I found that if you are playing any kind of modified version of 5e or anything... That's a hack of 5e. You basically have to abandon DD Beyond and just use something yeah. else.
1: For sure. Yep.
0: Yeah. Cool. So uh yeah, this has been a great conversation. It's it's really interesting to talk about fan projects like this and, and the, you know, amount of time that has to go into basically developing a new game for Again nothing because this is a it's a fan project it's just for the enjoyment of uh, you know the the people who want to play a Star Wars game. Uh, so the fact that you know you guys and and the creators of the game have put your time and energy into creating this and talking about it and uh, you know just creating all these resources for people to use it, it really is, uh, an amazing thing in this this hobby of extremely creative people. Uh, so, hats off to you guys for uh, you know doing uh, some of this work here to to make this thing a reality.
1: Yeah, and and a big shout out, of course, to uh, you know the Senate himself, Galifial, uh <laughs> who is the man that got it all going. I forget how long we've had him on our podcast a couple times to kind of talk about that history uh, where he started that and um, just got it up and running. And then eventually it just, it hit a point, uh, you know, shortly after Tegan and I joined the community as well as it really, the community, you know, kind of got that, um, you know, those additional team members, I guess, of, of the development team and it just blew up and then it it, it took off and and uh, he, he still spearheads everything and, and keeps it on track. Uh, but yeah, from, from what it used to be, you know, it's, it's a pretty cool project to see, definitely.
2: Yeah, definitely. Galley's put so much work into it. And yeah, we came on a side, I started playing before the website back when like each, every other month I felt like the book would change and new things would come out for it. Um, yeah, it's kind of crazy to see it go from like, uh, the book you had to print off yourself with just kind of things that may be out of date already to the new website where everything's so easy to find and just so many cool things along with it. And just, yeah, the team's really blossomed and kind of grown over the last year, especially.
0: So when it comes to Dungeon Jedi Masters itself, uh, what do you guys usually talk about on your show? What what kind of topics are you usually discussing in relation to this game?
1: Yeah, so DJM started as a you know podcast to talk about the game. I mean, it was it was kind of a how to uh, you know mechanics podcast. Uh, first episode was what's new and different in Star Wars Five E. So we talk about those specific differences from traditional Five E, and then. Just whatever comes up. Uh, the first year was a lot of, of specifics about the mechanics. Uh, so we, we did spotlights on each class individually. Uh, we talk about you know a lot of the new things like the casting, the power casting, force and tech powers, um, things like that. And then we've sprinkled in there uh in this last year as well where we've uh you know covered a lot of that stuff so you don't need to hit it again and we expanded into dming uh you know it's a little bit more of a dm podcast now i'd say Mm -hmm. Uh, dm tips and and things like that um and some fun stuff too like i mentioned uh, our next episode is going to be talking about star wars books you know so we we expand even into the, the star wars stuff as well so uh tegan anything else on that initially
2: yeah, definitely. Uh it's sort of kind of expanded from the mechanics to some DM tips and just some cool things with there's a lot of differences or small differences with the system that can add up and just really highlighting those for new DMs or even just DM switching uh into running the Star Wars system just to give them a little bit of a heads up on what we experience and so have to kinda of stumble across on their own.
0: One thing that I think you guys should, uh, should do at some point on the show, if you haven't done so already, you, you probably have thought of this yourselves or, or maybe are even going to have this conversation when talking about the books. One thing that I think helps a lot of people in running games in established franchises uh, is, is finding times where there's a lot of unanswered questions, a lot of big gaps in known continuity where they're not going to be stumbling over or feeling inferior to established characters. Uh, so so identifying those spots kind of in the Star Wars canon, I think, is a, a valuable resource. Uh, so, I mean, if you guys have done that, uh, awesome. If not, um, you know, I, I think that's, that's something that a lot of prospective Star Wars DMs would be interested to hear about. I'm pretty
2: sure we did that with a setting episode. We had a way, I think, first season on that one. Yeah, because there's some great dead areas of Star Wars where there's just no even legends and canon. There's just nothing written in. Uh, like my uh, the, the game that Todd played in my first two games were hosted in an era. Uh, was it thousand years or two thousand, thousand or two thousand years before the Battle of Yavin, uh, where there's literally nothing written. Mm-hmm. So the Sith are still around. Uh, there's still uh, a lot of dark. Darksiders running around. Uh, There has been the rule of two. Uh, You can give some really just kind of build your own narrative. The Republic has to be there because that's a Star Wars kind of corner, but outside of that, everything else can be your own galaxy. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, it's real easy to just, I mean, even then, if you want to just, you know, you can really run it off the rails, and I think that's a conversation, you know, you just have with your table and say, we are going to be set here in the Rebel Era. That's going to be our starting point, but we're we're going off the rails here while the the jedi are show back up you know this and that and and whatever so um that's another thing we do talk about we definitely have touched on you know where are those gaps in history but um you know certainly don't hesitate to just kind of make it your own
0: if i ever got the chance to run a full-on star wars campaign I know there's already been, like, a book and and stuff written about this particular era. But I think what I would do is set the campaign during the outbound flight program. And it would literally just be, you guys are people the Republic put on this ship. You're going into the Unknown Regions. Uh, Joris is there. You're going to run into the Chiss for the first time. But you guys are on outbound flight. Uh, you know, Republic, Clone Wars era, uh, let's see what's out there in the black.
2: That'd be a fun campaign to get some good Jedi they could throw in there. Mm-hmm. Got Joris being crazy oh, uh, yeah. I I to go with some good stuff with that. and got the Chiss and all their isolationism. That'd be a fun one to go with.
0: Oh, yeah. And I've not read, I know it's a Timothy Zahn book. I should read it at some point. Uh, I've read the Thrawn trilogy. I've not read that Outbound Flight book, but I want to. Oh,
2: highly recommend it. It's one of my favorites. Uh, It's actually, I like it a little bit better than the overall Thrawn trilogy. Uh, It's really good. Uh, Definitely worth a read. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, Joris is really interesting to read in that book. So I definitely recommend it. Awesome.
0: So as we're wrapping up here, uh, you know, I want to give you guys the chance to, you know, plug anything you want to plug. Obviously, tell people where they can find you. uh, So the floor is yours. Uh, Just kind of let everyone know where they can get more of this.
1: Absolutely. So uh, first off, thank you so much for having us on, Ryan. This is great. And um, yeah, really, I mean, easiest is just go to DungeonJediMasters.com. Uh, that will have access to all of our content. So we do a podcast that is bi-weekly. As we mentioned, we, we talk about mechanics within the game uh, and, and other topics, DM-related, uh, you know, and, and things like that. Um, we have a YouTube channel, which right now is most of our VODs, of our actual plays. Uh, but we, are, we do have a lot of uh, how-to content on there to help out as you are, you know, uh, building a character in Foundry VTT, for example, things like that. Uh, so we have a YouTube, um, Twitch channel. Most of it's all on my Twitch channel, at Todd Moonbounce, and that's where we uh, do our live plays, uh, where we run our actual campaigns. Uh, I have the Living Force, which runs bi-weekly Sundays, and Tegan runs uh, Hunted, which is biweekly Tuesdays. Uh, so we have those on there. Uh, We have an Instagram account, which is all sorts of little uh, NPCs and custom items and roll tables and little just fun things there, which is super fun to put together, resources for the game. Uh, You can reach us at Twitter at Dungeon Jedi uh, Masters, M-S-T-R-S. Not enough characters that Twitter allows for our long name there, but uh, I'm sure if you just look us up straight, you'll find us there. And uh, what else do we have? Um, I think
2: Definitely, don't forget our Patreon on that side, yeah, too. What so,
1: were, yeah, oh, so, yeah, I mentioned what the thing Patreon. Cool were doing. Sorry, go dude, ahead. Go, sorry. Uh, uh, go ahead. Go ahead.
2: Uh, one thing we're, we're doing this year too which is kind of a fun thing we post different uh, adventures and encounters we do that every month uh something new will be posted on that side and including a freebie but this year we actually are posting a campaign that a dm could just roll out and play with this table so uh, i think uh it would be next week i'm not sure where this uh, goes completely live but next week we'll be uh launching a uh the six or the Fifth adventure. Fifth. Yeah, the fifth adventure in our uh, new uh, kind of just Dungeon Jedi Masters campaign. So you can kind of pick it up and work it in with your players and kind of have a ready-to-go campaign that you don't have to tweak too much.
1: Yeah, definitely a great one there. It's it's a plot point concept. So once it's all said and done, the there's a beginning and an end, and then those middle pieces you can actually put in however you want. Ah, uh, we also do custom encounters uh, every other month as well for Patreon members. And our Patreon essentially goes to support our content, our our hosting for our podcast and other things like that. And uh, you know we treat the content as just a basically a thank you to those people that support us uh, you know in all in that content or you know in the other content that we create. So, uh, yeah. I think that I think that is everything. Uh, you know, as I said, DungeonJediMasters.com is going to be your your best bet. Uh, just get access to everything.
0: Awesome. Well, guys, that is going to do it for tonight's episode of Roland Bones. Uh, thank you guys so much for joining me this evening. Thank you for bearing with me through uh, the uh, the hiccups of getting the show back up and running after our uh, our vacation here. Uh, just to let you guys know what's coming up, uh, you know, this week and next week, obviously you'll be able to catch Todd and I on Wednesday over at valor studios for, uh, deadlands, the Hellgate trilogy. We're coming back this week. Uh, clay's coming out of prison. So we'll see, we'll see what happens there and how everyone in, in town views clay. Now that he's done some hard time for murdering someone in cold blood, uh, Really interested to see how that turns out. Uh, but next week, we'll be doing two reviews in one episode, two zines that recently showed up here. Uh, so I'll be reviewing Rocket to Russia by John Hambone McGuire, and I'll also be reviewing uh, Phylactery Issue 3 by Levi Combs. We're going to do both of those in one because uh, they're short. And, you know, I-, I love both those guys. They've been on the show a couple times each. So. That's what we'll be doing next week, Uh, but until then, whether you rolled a 1 or a 20, I am so glad that you rolled your bones with me, Ryan Howard, and may the Force be with you.
1: May the Force be with you.
0: Force be with you.